funniest player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers them for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious tonight. Yes, we deserve this win, man. Fox Force 5 flying high in both teams. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling it's the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know, hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, and then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento. Like, that's, that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and today we got a close friend of mine that covers the Boston Celtics coming on here today for Celtics Blog. We got Adam Taylor. What's going on, Adam? How you doing, man? What's going on, Brendan, man? Thanks for having me on your show. It's uh, been a while. I think I've been on here once before last season so I appreciate being invited back on Brendan's looking around if you can't as you can't see thinking has he has he been on here before no I'm pretty sure you have um, I have for sure it, it has been a while um, yeah for any listener that doesn't know you and I did that Celtics blog one together for a while um, we've done plenty of different podcasts and projects together I think we both kind of started this uh, journey together I guess and went a little bit of different directions but uh, definitely pretty close friends and the reason I have you on today is there are a lot of links to uh, Harrison Barnes and the Boston Celtics. And, you know, the trade deadline is approaching here and just hearing more and more about it. Um, So I I think that we're going to kind of get into that today. And I guess just to start, why in your mind is Harrison Barnes, if you think he is, a good fit for Boston right now? Okay, so personally, I think he's probably the best fit of the names that have been bandied about for the Celtics with the TPE. Um, I think that the fact that he's, not too ball dominant. He'd be happy to play as like the fourth option on the team rather than coming in expecting to be a second or third guy in the offense would be really beneficial to the Celtics. He can shoot, he can defend, he can facilitate a little bit. Um, multifaceted wing that fits in very well to the hole that's been left by Gordon Hayward leaving for Charlotte. And he's also young enough that he fits in more with the timeline than some of the other options for the Celtics but he's not young enough that he's still classed as a prospect. Comes in with some championship experience. And I think that he's one of the types of guys that can come into a team that's on the fringes of contending and help put them into a status of, I wouldn't say perennial contender, but a team with a chance of if you have a good run, then it's feasible you make the finals. Yeah, and it's definitely a plus that you get him for more than this year, right, rather than an expiring guy because the idea, obviously, Jalen and Jason are going to be good for a while. Um, Kemba's there for two more years, and it would line him up perfectly with uh, Kemba Walker's contract. Um, can you can you run down the TPE situation a little bit for, for the listeners here because they, they can't fully use um, the entire TPE available to them, right, because they're hard-capped? Yeah, so when they spent the mid-level exception on acquiring Christian Thompson, they became a hard cap team, which means although they have, I think it's 28 million, 28.5 in TPE, 
they only realistically have around about 19 million of that available to them, uh, which takes them up to the um, the hard cap limit. So they do have ways of opening up more cap room. Obviously, the beauty of having a TPE is you don't have to send out matching salaries, but any salary you do send out will open up further cap space um, to go into and use more of that TPE. So ideally, what they'd want to do is split this TP. So um, if you can acquire somebody like Harrison Barnes, and then, I mean, yeah, so you could acquire Harrison Barnes and then have a remainder left over of that TP for when you head into the summer. Or if you need to, you can send back salary, like, um, not that this would happen, but for an example, you could send back Marcus Hart and open up the amount he's earning to uh, cushion the amount of TP that you could use. Right. And uh, yeah, with Harrison Barnes making 22 million this year, it's about um, 2.8 ish, I believe, that uh, Boston would have to send back at very least to take on Marcus Smart, um, which, you know, Aaron Neesmith makes 3.4 this year. Romeo Langford makes 3.6. I don't know that Grant by himself works. Grant makes 2.4. Um, I can test that real quick here. But, yeah, I mean, they'd have to send back. Grant does work according to trade NBA. Um, but, yeah, the Celtics would have to send back a little bit, but um, Sacramento would ask for something in return anyways. Um, so I think that, you know, the rumors that we hear, um, we just heard Zach Lowe talk about this. We saw it mentioned in, in a Sports Illustrated piece today that it's a young asset and a first-round pick. Um, kind of seems to be – the idea that we are hearing from for uh, Marcus Marcus Barnes for Harrison Barnes is uh, overall value and return that Sacramento would get, and you know uh, Boston is in a position where they have an interesting amount of of young talent that I think could be intriguing to um, Sacramento along with that throwing that first rounder in there. So I kind of wanted you to rank the assets that they have um, in, in terms of value. Um, so let's maybe maybe we'll go two at a time. You know, the two um, popular ones are Aaron Neesmith and Romeo Langford. Um, I, I guess can you walk me through how Aaron Neesmith's rookie year has been? Because I know it started out rough. Yeah, so Aaron Neesmith to me has kind of evolved in terms of how you would value him. Um, when he came into the league, he was defined as just a straight-up spot-up shooter, um, a floor-stretching wing you weren't really sure what else you were going to be given. There was very big question marks surrounding his ball handling. Um, defensive uh, ability came was under quite a bit of scrutiny. You kind of saw him as you you post him up in the corner or or on the wing or ask him to lift onto the wing, and you feed him for good looks. And he was just going to be your young Kyle Corver or that similar type of player. What he's done now is he's shown that he has quite a large amount of defensive potential, especially as a weak side defender, somebody that can rotate over. Um, There's question marks still over his point of attack defense. He's got the physical tools, but he just hasn't shown enough uh, basketball IQ to really project there. But there's a world, an avenue for him to become a a legitimate free and D wing in this league. And I think that's banded around that term too much. Um, I think there's, the amount of people that are declared as a free and D wing versus the amount of people that are genuinely a free and D wing are, are vastly different. And I think that 
it would take a lot to see Aaron Neesmith get to a 3 and D level, but he has shown flashes, um, plays with a lot of intensity, hustles his heart out, uh, chases down guys, never gives up. Um, I think that part of the struggles were for him that he was coming into an NBA system having he, his college season ended early for injury. Um, so he hadn't played in a long time. There was no summer league. And Brad Stevens has been very cautious about the opportunities he provides Neesmith. But he's definitely altered people's perception with the defense that he's played. And to be quite honest with you, that's probably been the best aspect of his game so far is the hustle defense. Interesting. Um, and the physical tools you're talking about uh, is his pretty plus wingspan, right? I think he's got a good wingspan to him. Isn't it kind of near seven feet? Yeah, so he's got a good wingspan, um, decent size for a wing. Um, he's quite quick as well. He's agile. Um, he gets up. He, li- he likes to um, chase down guys and beat them with that wingspan and a little bit of a, an explosion from the rear view. Um, so he's definitely got the physical tools to become an average defender. I wouldn't say a plus defender, but he could definitely become a league average wing defender in the future. Couple that with his um, ability to hit knockdown shots. We're seeing a little bit more. Um, well, we've seen a very limited amount of him penetrating off the dribble. They've even put him in uh, a couple, not many, but some pick and roll situations where he's handling the ball. So they definitely believe that he's got scalable offensive skills that people wasn't expecting him to have. But again, we're very. He hasn't played consistently through the year so far. Um, so you would be buying on the potential of him becoming a better version of Buddy Heald in essence. Right. Um, yeah, which is definitely a high standard to meet as a shooter specifically. Um, but I think if you got less shooting and, um, you know, an, an improved defensive player that, you know, you could be happy with that. Um, and, and then let's talk about Romeo Langford a little bit. I know you and I are uh, kind of higher than the consensus feel on Romeo because, you know, there's been um, – really interesting playmaking, slashing from him. I think he has a really good feel for the game. He's a smart defensive player um, for Brad Stevens to trust him early on in uh, at times in his career definitely showed a lot, as you're saying with Neesmith having a pretty short leash. Um, but where do you stand on who is the better asset between Romeo and Neesmith right now? Potential-wise, who's got the most potential and the highest ceiling? Then Romeo Langford is unequivocally the better prospect. I think that Romeo Langford will become a genuine two-way player if given the opportunity to develop and if he can stay injury-free. As Brad Stevens says, the best best ability is availability. Um, There's definitely playmaking there as a slasher, a mid-range jump shooter. I feel quite comfortable with that too. He does need to learn to finish through contact at the NBA level and finish around big bodies around the rim at the NBA level. I think that he was quite um, hesitant last season. But, yeah, he was another guy that came into the league um, billed as this offensive threat but actually earned his minutes defensively as a point-of-attack defender, um, a secondary help defender. He was good there too. Uh, very good basketball IQ, much more better basketball IQ than what uh, Neesmith has shown so far. There's a reason that I'm high on Langford, and to be quite honest with you, um, I'd be really upset if Boston moved on from him because I think he could be an excellent complementary wing to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So let's also talk about the other end because you you would have a better feel on this than me, obviously. Like, how does general media and fan base feel about Romeo? Because, like I said, we're on the upper side of uh, our impression of Romeo, right? So generally, the consensus is that 
Romeo is the better prospect. I don't think there's too many people that would argue that fact, but a lot more people are very aware of the fact that he was injured in college, came into the league injured, recovered, went to the G League, got injured, came back, recovered, got injured again, pulled a hammy, then came back and then got injured again and now has missed the first half of his uh, second year. So that amount of injuries in like the last two years for him is a red flag for a lot of people. It's all well and good being this elite level prospect and having all the, the tools necessary to become a legitimate NBA player. But if you're not on the floor to continue sharpening those tools, then you can be as good as you want. You're never going to be a useful prospect. And I think that a lot of people are more concerned about his longevity than what they are, his ability to reach his ceiling. And Romeo's probably more boomer bust compared to Neesmith being a little bit safer with less of a high ceiling in my mind, right? Yeah, so there's more chance of Romeo flaming out just because of the injuries. I think if Romeo stays consistent, if he gets healthy and puts all of this injury history behind him, I don't see many worlds where Neesmith ends up having the better career in terms of individual skill set growth. But I do think that currently right now, if you wanted the safer option between the two, then you would go for Neesmith. He'll give you the floor spacing. He's relatively been healthy um, throughout the season. I think he's had one bit of a knock. So in that respect, yeah. But what I would say is that Romeo Langford, if he hits his potential, would be a steal, especially if you got him along with a secondary piece and a pick. Yeah. Yeah, and Romeo's numbers from last season are gross, uh, to be blunt about it. Uh, only 32 games played, and a lot of those are garbage times, but the shooting splits is 35% from the field, 18% from deep on only 27 total attempts, um, and then 72% from the free throw line. Um, but I definitely encourage people to check out like the games where he actually was getting, you know, 15 plus minutes um, and, and the numbers don't look as bad as that. Like a lot of these are, are garbage time shots that he's kind of throwing up. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely a little more boomer bust. I, I would think that um, if you were talking trade value though, that Neesmith probably holds more right now. I, I would think among the league also just because like, I think that they're close enough that um, the injury concerns, obviously, but also just being one more year of a cost-controlled contract with Neesmith being a rookie this year probably makes him more valuable. Would you agree yeah, with that? Plus it, yeah, plus he's this year's lottery pick. So there's definitely more value league-wide for Neesmith. Uh, real quick with with Langford, one thing to contextualize is a lot of those shots were working his way back into rhythm, and there were moments where Brad Stevens trusted him guarding guys such as LeBron James in the point of attack. So there was definitely a trust level there. I do definitely agree that Neesmith, in terms of league-wide value in a trade deal, most teams will value Neesmith higher um, than what they will Langford. And I'm fine with that. I'd actually prefer them to value Neesmith higher as a, um, as a Celtics guy that's high on Langford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's definitely interesting from Sacramento's point of view. Um, I, I think you have to prefer Neesmith um because you know he's more of a off ball player that can just fill a role um and he has a little bit more size to him like i feel better about Neesmith as a 3 um than than Romeo even though Romeo i i think is capable of that with just a little bit more size on Neesmith i think he's only got about an inch height um but definitely a more substantial wingspan to him 
Um, like if we were just talking a first rounder and one of these guys, Sacramento should prefer Neesmith. Um, but I definitely do not mind Romeo in a first. Like I, I don't think that I think a lot of the fan base would be pretty annoyed with that. Um, I could get behind it. I could talk myself into it. I've already gotten crap about this before. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, I think there is an interesting upside to Romeo. Um, yeah, but got to prefer Neesmith there. So if we threw another guy in here, um, let's go with Grant Williams. Where where do you rank them? Uh, where do you rank Williams among these three in terms of value? I'd put him third. Um, st- Williams is in a really sticky situation right now in Boston. And I'm not one of these guys that thinks that everyone on the Celtics roster is amazing. I'm very, I try to be very realistic about where their ceiling is, where their floor is, where their fit is. Um, with Williams, he's projected more as a small ball five than a four, just because of the lack of lateral quickness he's got on, when guarding on the wing. Um, he's got a great basketball IQ, but at the moment he's really struggling to find consistent minutes in Boston. And to begin the year, he was really susceptible to being beaten off drives. He's been giving away careless fouls. He actually feels like he's regressed defensively. And then offensively, he's figured out how to score from three because he struggled with that when he first came into the league. But we're starting to realize that outside of that, there's not much more you can ask of him. Like, um, he doesn't have the explosiveness to beat guys when they're closing out, really. Um, he might be able to take a few dribbles and hit a pull-up, but you're never going to see him blow by a closeout and get to the rack. Uh, if you do, then it's because defense is screwed up, not because he's that good. Um, so I think that his value is kind of in flux at the moment. I think that there's definitely going to be teams out there that value the the locker room presence he'll bring, the basketball IQ that he'll bring. And in the right role, he can be a really good secondary player for you off the bench. It's just not happening for him in Boston at the moment because of the the rotation that's already cemented at the five. And then when he is put out at the four, he's struggling to put consistent performances on the floor. Yeah, I get the impression that Grant's a little bit of a tweener. Um, Like you said, you know, probably ideal at the five, right? But he doesn't have great size for that um which i think is where you kind of fall into a you know backup four or five um which could be interesting like i think something like grant williams robert woodard as a backup front court could be intriguing um but i I think he's a really high iq player and i definitely don't mind that for sacramento um or well sacramento needs more of those for sure especially on the defensive end of the floor um but yeah i mean if it's like grant williams in a first i'm saying no from sacramento's point of view um, so right now we have Neesmith, Romeo, Grant, and it's the order of the three we have, right? Yeah, and depending on what your scheme is offensively, you can use Grant as like a, a dribble handoff short roll guy. Similar, like in the preseason, the Celtics were using him in a lot of sets that they used to run for Al Horford, and they were working fantastically. Um, but obviously then Robert Williams emerges, and um, Tristan Thompson gets healthy, and now Grant Williams finds himself out of the rotation. So I think if he was a complementary piece in the trade, you should be really happy with uh, his acquisition. But if he was the centerpiece of a trade, I would not be pleased at all if I was Sacramento. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll finish going through these uh, couple guys for grading and value before we throw out some potential trades. Um, throw Payne Pritchard in here. Where do you I, – I know uh, it's funny. We we had a little joke running on the other pod between us about Brandon Payne Pritchard. Brendan was very wrong. 
I was very wrong. I uh, forgot to rank Peyton Pritchard. I hated the draft at the time uh, for Boston. In all admit, I was really low on Neesmith as well. I think I had a mid-20s. Um, that was one of my hotter takes of the draft. Um, so, yeah, keep that in mind when you hear a bit of my Neesmith takes, I guess. Um, but, yeah, okay, where do you where do you put Pritchard between Neesmith, Romeo, and Grant? Where do you kind of fill him in there? Right now, Pritchard's the most valuable rookie on that team. So Pritchard goes straight in at number one um, in terms of immediate impact, not as a prospect and ceiling, but in terms of if you need a guy to come in and make an immediate impact, then that's where Peyton Pritchard comes in at number one. If you're going for more of a project, somebody that you want to be able to um, improve with time alongside Halliburton, alongside Fox, then I'd put him at number three behind Neesmith and Romeo. Um, I tweeted this out earlier today. Neesmith is 13th in the, uh, among rookies. He's 13th in minutes per game, 12th in three-point percentage, 9th in free-throw percentage, 9th in assists, 14th in points per game, and 22nd in field goal percentage. Um, he, for the majority of the season, he was averaging a 50-40-90 on very good usage rates for a rookie. Um, so he's NBA-ready. He'll come in and play a solid backup to De'Aaron Fox. He's been used primarily as a two-guard this year alongside a more dominant ball handler. Um, but I do think that it all depends what you're prioritizing. Do you want a young guy that can come in close to his ceiling and you know he's going to impact games now? You put him as the most valuable. If you want a guy that's going to come in, struggle a little bit while he's developing, but have a way higher ceiling, then you put him third behind Neesmith and Langford. Yeah, um, yeah, that that's where I'm at. Um, yeah, from Sacramento's point of view, Pritchard would be awesome to have because the team just constantly has horrible backup point cards, and Corey Joseph is like the worst one yet right now at his current stage. Um, so it would be awesome to have him on the roster, but I think, again, if it was just Pritchard in a first, I don't know how interested I am. Like, I, I, would, I would push for a little bit more. Um, Pritchard... Grant in a first? Sure, but I, I, I think that Pritchard is a guy that's interesting because, like you're saying, he's a contributor right now for the team. I don't know how much upside he has. He's a guy to me that I just don't think is included in a deal because it doesn't really fit what Sacramento would want, and I'm assuming Boston would want to hold on to that. Yeah, I think Boston see him as the long-term backup guard for this team. I think that after this season, you'll see him slide into more minutes as the primary point guard off the bench or he'll slide into the primary two guard off the bench, depending on if they, what they do with Marcus Smart and how they play him. Um, so I don't see him really being a focal point of any trade discussions. I could understand if he was, because he's earned the right to have a high enough value to be in those discussions. Um, but again, half a season worth of impact doesn't prove too much to me. I want to see a bigger sample size. But right now, he would probably be the guy Boston wanted to keep out of a deal, especially if it included a second young piece. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that like if it was a throw in, a young guy at first, and then you're like throwing in one of Grant or Pritchard, obviously I'd prefer Peyton Pritchard. Um but I I, I do think that um Boston is gonna value Pritchard more than Sacramento does right now. I just I have a hard time seeing him be involved in this deal. Um last guy that I think is really interesting um, timely, Robert Williams. Where do you rank him in this? Because he's an upside swing, and that's exactly where Sacramento should be looking. Um, he's number one. He's got to be, like, regardless of whether you want immediate impact or scalability in terms of skill set, he has both. He's got, um, 
a long way to go to reach that potential. And I kind of refer to him as like a, a Bam Adebayo light. Like you can utilize him at the high post a little bit um, as he develops in short roll situations where he can be a secondary creator and swing passes out to cutting guys or guys on the three-point line that are spotted up. He provides vertical spacing. He's an instant energy injection. Um, his defense is improving. He's not biting on pump fakes as much. Um, he's always going to be a threat to block shots, and when he does so, he does them emphatically. Um, there's a lot of upside to him. The only downside, again, is injury history. He's missed a large amount of time. This is his third season, and Grant Williams has played more minutes than him already in his career. Um, so there's that. But to me, like the, ability, the amount of improvements he's showing with the limited consistency he's had this season make him that big upside swing that most teams will value quite highly. Um, I think he would have to he would have to be number one for both potential and immediate impact for me. Yeah. So yeah, the the Bam light. I think I, I think you're primarily talking about offense, right? Yeah. So I'm talking about as an offensive hub and a, yeah. a, a creator in the short role and at the high post. Yeah. His playmaking is his passing is really underrated, um, which I think is a big part of that comp, right? And uh, but defensively. Um, I know another part of the downside in Sacramento is horrible with their bigs like about this right now. He's very foul prone at the moment, right? Yeah, he he jumps at you rather than vertically, so he'll give up fouls for encroaching on shooting space. Um, he'll jump over you to try and get a rebound sometimes. That's another part of his game that's dramatically improved this year is his board control and mm-hmm. the amount he dominates on the glass, both offensively and defensively. Um, so his improvements on the glass have been big. Foul-prone, yeah, definitely, because if a guy gets by him, he will do everything he can to get to, into a blocking position, and sometimes that means he's like hand-checking guys or he's jumping over guys into their back. So he is foul-prone, but that's something that you can eradicate over time anyway. Yeah, um, I'm definitely interested. I think part of the debate, though, like if you were talking between him and Neesmith, would be again, when it comes back to the contract situation, because what, Rob, uh, Time Lord is a year, is is it the end of the season for Restricted or next year? Top of my head, I think it's this year. I may be wrong. I haven't got it in front of me, and it hasn't been a discussion I've had recently. Uh, this is his third year, so I'm assuming he'd be restricted this year. Yeah. Um, Would it be a team option? I'll pull it up and find out. I, I think it's one more year. Uh, yeah, let me know. Um, but I think that... Yeah, that's an interesting – I think, like, Neesmith, Time Lord um, are really interesting pieces. And specifically, yeah, I mean, Robert Williams, I think, would be really intriguing to a Sacramento roster that needs to figure out a long-term answer at center, I think. Um, I do really like Rashawn Holmes, or at very least you need a backup center. Um, and I, I love the upside swing. One more year. Okay, so not this off season, but the season after. Yes. He goes into restricted free agency, which does make him – I mean, that lowers, I think, his overall trade value at the current moment. Um, you just have to be sure that you're willing to send out whatever money that is. Um, and, yeah, who knows? Maybe it's uh, – yeah, it's, it's still very up in the air right now. I, I think this season and next is going to do a lot for proving what his value is. But it's very, like, Mitch Robinson-esque player, right? I'll go more towards the – I think he's more skilled than Mitch. I think um, his blocking ability is Mitch Robinson-esque, but I think he's more of a skilled player. He's going to be more intricate in the way the offense runs through him, the way he can lead an offense as a secondary creator on the on the elbows or in short roll. 
Um, but I do get what you're saying. He will be a rim-running big. It's just the passing ability separates him a little bit from guys like Clint Capella and Mitch Robinson. Right. Okay, so let me make sure I got this right. You go, in, in terms of trade value, and let's just not include Pritchard for the reasons I said, because I think he, he makes this rating a little bit weird. Um, or let, let's go between the three first. Um, Neesmith, is this the right order? Time Lord, Neesmith, Romeo? Between those three? Yeah, that would be Time Lord, Neesmith, Romeo, Grant. Yep, that's it. Got it. Yeah, and then, yeah, because I think those are the three intriguing ones. And then if Sacramento asks for more, like I think if you got any of those three in, a, in Boston's first rounder, I think that's like a pretty good deal for for Sacramento. Um, I, obviously, you try to get more, and that's where I think, you know, maybe on top of that you ask for Pritchard or Grant. Um, and again, I don't think it's Pritchard. It's probably Grant if you were trying to get another player on top of it. Um, and, and I think that's where it gets interesting. And in one uh, trade that was thrown out by by Tim Maxwell that I think is really interesting. Have you ever said to yourself, I loved the fact that I've had the same few pairs of sheets since just after college, and I never liked them, but then I just keep washing them every week or maybe two and putting them back on the bed like it's totally normal? Stop. Stop it. Brooklyn can make that voice in your head go away and the bad sheets on your bed go away. Brooklyn was started by Rich and Vicky, who also tried to find a beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. And when they couldn't, they founded Brooklyn as the first direct-to-customer bedding company. They work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury-level markups. Brooklyn has a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials to fit your needs and tastes has over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. They are so confident you will love their products that even offer a 365-day money-back guarantee, no risk involved. And Brooklinen is so much more than sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and, and a bunch more. Um, definitely check it out. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code KINGSPULSE to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more plus free shipping. It's definitely something I'm going to be checking out. I'm a little guilty of having the same um, few bed sheets and, and such for a good little while now. i got to wash mine pretty often with my puppy Molly over here. So definitely join me in checking out Brooklyn. And that's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And enter promo code KINGSPULSE to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more plus free shipping. Brooklinen.com and use promo code KingsPulse at checkout. Rashawn Holmes obviously has been phenomenal this year. You know, he's like one of the league leaders in field goal percentage, um, really solid defensive player. And I, I think that he's probably the best center on Boston's roster if they bring him in there. Um, what do you think of Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes? Uh, Rashawn Holmes is going into free agency this season um, for Robert Williams, Aaron Neesmith in the first. I think that I'd rather not lose Robert Williams, but I understand that you're sending back another big in terms of Rashawn Holmes. Um, I think that the Celtics are kind of banking on Rob being around for a while um, and moving on from Christian Thompson, possibly. Um, I, I wouldn't be mad at it because you're getting somebody back that can plug the hole. You can get Harrison Barnes in that obviously is exactly what you need. Aaron Neesmith, I'm fine with if they move on from him. 
I'd be okay with it. I, I think that deal would get it done. I'm not too sure whether Boston would try and push back and send Grant instead of Rob Williams. Right. Um, or they'd say, right, we'll do this, but because you're getting Rob Williams as well, you're going to need to take on Carson Edwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I think if Holmes is involved, it definitely needs to be Time Lord coming back from Sacramento's point of view um, because Holmes is one of their better assets right now along with Barnes. Um, and I think that you know the idea would obviously be that Boston is assuming they're going to re-sign Holmes, and I think that Holmes for the you know next two years is going to be the better player than Time Lord, I would think. Um, and it's just a, more of an upside swing, obviously, Time Lord is. Um, and maybe Boston's not quite in that scenario. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I do think that one is really interesting. Tim has been throwing that one out a lot today. Um, to be fair as well, I haven't seen much of Rashawn Holmes. So um, I, me making any sort of agreement or disagreement here is disingenuous because I'd be talking about a player that I'm not too hot on in terms of understanding how he plays. Yeah. But if if you're telling me that he's going to be – good enough to fill some of the void left by Rob Williams in terms of um, shot, create, um, shot blocking and rim running, and then you're going to still get Harrison Barnes. I don't see why Boston would say no to that. Yeah, I, I mean, Rashawn Holmes is for sure a better player than Robert Williams right now. Like, Rashawn Holmes is the top 15 center in the league right now. Um, and, and it falls off really hard after, I think, about 8 or 10 in that. Um, but I mean, I think he's, he's clearly better than Tyus or Thompson. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Rashawn Holmes is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and you know, is sneakily well-rounded on offense, even though he doesn't have that three point shot, he's got a money push shot. Um, he is, he can be a bit foul prone at times. Um, but he's also on, you know, historically the worst defense ever where defenders just blow right past him or blow right past his teammates, and then he's stuck kind of doing a lot of dirty work on the back line and put in bad situations. Um, but, yeah, phenomenal energy guy. I think, like, Holmes walks in clearly the best center on the roster. Um, this trade is super interesting to me, um, something I, I would absolutely love from Sacramento's point of view. And do you think that uh, another one that we have here is something like Harrison Barnes and E. Smith in a first is obviously a, a ground basis, I think, that a lot of people are going off of. Um, I mean, would you be willing to throw in Grant on top of that, like a Neesmith Grant and the first? Yeah, I think I would. I think that would work. I think um, that's a bit of a steep price, but if Boston really need – the Boston need this fourth guy. They need this wing, and you, no team is ever going to do a deal that doesn't benefit them back. And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with is not realizing that this needs to be beneficial for both teams. And it would hurt, but I think that deal would work. And I think that Boston would be willing to pull the trigger on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you think that there is a world, um, and and for for what it's worth from Sacramento's point of view, I think that um, I I would be pretty happy with that deal. I don't love Grant. I, I Fallen. I mean, I don't love either one of those prospects, but I think it's just the right type of deal um, for Sacramento there. Um, do you have interest in like bringing on Nemanja Bialica as well in this? And his money's a little bit difficult to work with seven million, but are you kind of interested in, in adding him? I know there was talk about him last season, right? He was having a good year, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think we had a discussion about Belly at that point. 
Um, if I get to choose between Bayleeds and Rashawn Holmes, then I'm going to choose Rashawn Holmes. You sold him to me right. now. Um, if I don't get that decision, that choice, then Belly will help. Belly will work. But at the same time, I just don't think that he fills a need that Boston has right now. Um, and I'm not sure that they'd be willing to take another guy on that's going to just be a spot minutes rotation guy. But again, he is older. He's a vet. He's going to come in and add some more experience to this bench. So there is a world where they'd say yes to that because this team is just far too young for a team that's got championship aspirations. Yeah, and, and looking at it here, because Bielita's $7 million remaining this year, if it was him and Barnes, it's a little difficult to make the money work. Um, like, I... Yeah, I mean, you'd probably have to include Romeo Neesmith and someone like... Yeah, like Carson or, or something like that, I guess. Um, and then I think Sacramento would ask the first on top of that, and that's probably a little steep at that point. Um, if you're talking Barnes, Bielitsa for Langford and Smith the first, and then just like throw in Carson Edwards. If it means you get Carson Edwards off the rest, then do it. <laughs> Not a Carson <laughs> Edwards guy, huh? Um, he needs minutes, dude. He needs a team that's going to let him play through the rough spells. He's a usage guy. Um, there's a very funny thing that the color commentator Brian Scalabrini says. Um, you can tell what type of night Carson Edwards is going to have depending on if he makes his first shot or not. Um, and he needs to be able to be playing consistently. He's had a few games this year where he's shown that he has got potential to be a, a guard off the bench, or probably your third, guard, third string guard. But... He's not going to get that in Boston, especially now just Jeff Teague and Peyton Pritchard. Yeah. They already have a diminutive guard in Tremont Waters on a two-way. Um, so if we're throwing in Carson Edwards, then I'm all for it. We can get rid of him. That's fine. <laughs> but but actually, like, including Romeo and Neesmith and the first for those two, you feel okay about that? I'm not happy about it. Mm-hmm. But, like, in, I mean, part of this this whole thing is that, like, Boston is – really needs to make a move this deadline. Yeah. I don't, to be honest with you, I'm not happy about it. I don't think Danny Ainge pulls the trigger and loses both of those guys. Um, I think you're more likely to get a deal that's centered around one of Neesmith and Langford. I think that you'd get Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, and a first. And I think that would be um, where they kind of drew the line. Or they'd be willing to give you Neesmith or Langford, Robert Williams, and Carson Edwards. And um, I mean, if you, if it was Rashawn Holmes coming back, then maybe they talk about Robert Williams, Grant Williams, Neesmith, and a first. Maybe you can try and get that deal to go through. Um, but I just don't see them giving up both wings. But there, I do understand that it's an it's a necessary evil sometimes that you have to give up a little bit too much in order to get the one piece that you really need. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the base for Barnes to me is one of Neesmith or Romeo and a first, obviously. Everyone's been saying this for months. Um, And then Sacramento tries to also have Grant thrown in there as just, you know, the Barnes deal. And then if you also can swap Holmes for Time Lord, um, I think that you absolutely do that. yeah, I, I think that's extremely intriguing from Sacramento's point of view. Um, I, I guess a couple other things to throw out, like there's no chance like Marcus Smart is involved in any deal, right? 
I actually think Marcus Smart's one of the more likely guys to be traded. I don't think it would just be for Harrison Barnes. Um, simply because he's got the most tradable contract. He's a unrestricted free agent at the end of next season. Um, depending on what the, um, the Celtic salary cap situation's uh, precarious at best. So I don't think they'd be willing to include him in a deal for Harrison Barnes um, straight up. But I think that if the package was right, and this isn't just with Harrison Barnes, if they feel like it's a big swing for a guy, um, the main discussion I've had around this is for a guy like John Collins. Um, you'd be you'd put Marcus Smart into that equation simply because you're not sure where his market value is going to land next year, and you're trying to consolidate assets now, so you've got cost controlled assets for a few years. Got you. So you think that yeah, Smart could be involved in a deal, but for a player better than Harrison Barnes. I want to say better. Um, there's a chance that they might use him, but I think they'd want a bigger compensation package coming back than just Harrison Barnes. And it would probably be too much to really make work. But I do think he's available for the right trade. Yeah. And I think it's kind of back to the Pritchard situation a little bit where I think that uh, with them, the teams being in a little bit of different positions that, um, you know, that smart is probably valued higher by Boston than Sacramento um, and that makes him a very interesting asset in the return here. Like, I don't see Marcus as really being part of anything here. Um, who are the other, like, trade candidates for Boston right now? You know, because Scalabrini came out and said everything else is smoke, Vucevic, Grant. Um, they just want Harrison Barnes. Like, to you, is Harrison Barnes the guy that Boston is targeting? Yeah, I think so. I think he's the number one name on everybody's list. Um, Danny Ainge didn't say his name but said they wanted a wing that could do more than just shoot um, there's a couple out there that can do more than just shoot but he said he wanted them to be able to um, have a few, bit of ball handling responsibility to be defensively versatile um, he all but said Harrison Barnes' name in that radio interview uh, availability wise I think Daniel Toys would be available just because um, he's hitting free agency at the end of this season um, Honestly, for the right deal, anyone not named Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum is going to be available for some form of trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think like the base that, I mean, what what's the initial deal that you know Danny offers? Like, so if I'm Danny Ainge, I'm I'm opening discussions knowing that they're going to have to obviously be worked out. My opening deal would be uh, Aaron Neesmith, Grant Williams, and a first. For, and I don't know if the money works here, but it'd be for Harrison Barnes, and they could leave it at that technically. I don't know what um, yeah. Sacramento's roster spots like, so maybe Rashawn Holmes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, yeah, the money doesn't work if you include Holmes in that one as well, I don't believe. And I, I mean, it's also not enough coming back to um, Sacramento there. Or that does work, actually. Um, Grant Neesmith um, for Barnes Homes, or Grant Neesmith in the first for Barnes and Homes, but I don't think there's any way that Sacramento does that. Well, you can um, only take, um, you can do that. I mean, but I think they, they just want Harrison Barnes, right? Right. So, and they don't need to send out enough sal- They only need to send out enough salary to open a few million dollars extra of that TPE. Right. Um, so I think they'd start, the baseline would be a, a young wing. Uh, a project small ball five, a tweener, and a first round pick. 
Yeah, and I'm sure Danny starts the conversation that probably has been had for a while now with saying, you know, we'll just give you just Romeo, you know, and then yeah. and you guys get cap relief, you know, like you're getting your uh-huh. own TPE, Sacramento would be. Um, yeah. And I'm sure it's worked up to maybe something around the range that we're talking right now because, like, from Sacramento's point of view, I struggle to not, like, just take that. Uh, Grant Williams, Aaron E. Smith, a first for Harrison Barnes. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've said it plenty of times from Sacramento's point of view. Like, I mean, they're not a good team right now. I think they need to um, go after some younger pieces. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's extremely interesting. And then if you were to counter and maybe try to get something more in return, um, I mean, do you, because I'm more interested in Pritchard than Grant, I will say, like, I mean, do you walk from Neesmith Pritchard in a first? For Barnes? I don't think you walk, but I think you try like hell to keep Pritchard out of that deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you'd be like, okay, how about Romeo Langford, which kills me. Romeo Langford, um, Grant Williams. Or do you know what? I think I'd say to you, how about I give you Aaron Neesmith, Robert Williams in a first. You'd rather give up Time Lord than Pritchard? Pritchard's cost controlled for longer and um, has no injury history. Yeah. And impacts the game in um, over a bit larger sample size than what Robert Williams does. Shit, and Sacramento should prefer Time Lord over Pritchard, in my mind. Yeah, um, and I mean, this is me just talking from a... If you want to win, then you choose the guys that impact the ball the most now, not right. in a year or two. Uh, if I'm t- choosing potential, then I'm saying you can take Peyton Pritchard over Robert Williams... If I'm choosing impacting the game as we speak now and they're making this deal for a big run, then, yeah, you choose uh, you choose to keep Peyton Pritchard for immediate impact. Right, which is exactly where Boston is coming from with these deals. You know, like there's a yeah. fine line for sure, but um, they've kind of towed it a little bit too much and need to commit a little bit one way um, towards, you know, having some impact players right now. Um what if, because I think this is kind of like the massive pull for Sacramento, what if it's Barnes and Holmes for Neesmith, Langford, Time Lord, and the first? Am I am I at a point of too much? Neesmith, Langford, Time Lord, and a first. Mm-hmm. For Barnes yeah. and Holmes. Uh, the people listening to this are going to think that I'm being a homer here, saying that's too steep. But I, I don't think so. Like, I, I, because, no, and I understand because I, if I was listening to this, I'd be like, dude, that's a steal. Um, but I think that that's too much of Boston's upside in terms of development that they'd be giving up for. Like Holmes, for however good he is, is still classed as a throw into this deal because he's not the centerpiece, right? Well, so, I, I mean, I think he's more than a throw-in. Like, I think Holmes is. Holmes makes you a lot better this season. I think I'd counter and say Neesmith, Time Lord, Grant Williams, and two firsts mm-hmm. for Holmes and Barnes. Right. Yeah, and at that I'd point, I mean, I probably... Draft capital for Boston isn't important at this point. Right, right. And at that point, I probably 
walk, uh, I probably pull Holmes out of it because I think Sacramento's point of view with Holmes is, um, I think they want to re-sign him this off season unless they, you know, either know he's going to make too much on the market, which I don't really think is the case, um, or you know, just get a deal that kind of impresses them. Um, yeah, so I, I think that I like if that was the deal that you said, you know, Holmes Barnes for uh, what was it, Neesmith, Langford, Grant, and a first. Um, I no, probably Neesmith, Robert Williams, Grant, and then two firsts. Uh, actually, I mean. Yeah, no, no, I think that's kind of the deal that we had said earlier. Because um, so yeah, you'd rather throw in a future first than give up both. A, a, than give up both. Neesmith you can have your choice. Or, yeah, you can have your choice between Romeo and Neesmith, but I just don't see a world where both of those two get traded to the same, in the same deal. Right. You're right. hamstringing yourself for any future deals because yeah. you just gave away all of your young high upside talent. Yeah, they still. Swing. Right, they still want to keep some of this upside talent. Yeah, you you need flexibility. So, you know, if you do end up moving Marcus Smart, you can offer them uh, an expiring Marcus Smart plus the one wing that didn't get traded in the Sacramento deal, hypothetically. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of the baseline we have is if it's just Barnes, then it's one of Neesmith or Langford, um, a first, which we've been at for a while, and then you try to throw Grant in there as well from Sacramento's point of view. Um, which, yeah, I mean, Danny Ainge kind of known for playing hardball a little bit, right? Um, so we'll we'll see on that one. I mean, that's a deal that I would really like from Sacramento's point of view. Um, but I think if you throw in Holmes as well, like pretty much, yeah, there's that deal we just said, and then there's also potential to include a Holmes Time Lord swap, um, which, yeah, I, I mean, I think is is super interesting from Sacramento's point of view. I think like that's an upside swing that you should be willing to take. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm super interested. I, I think that there's totally a deal that's going to happen here soon. Um, you and I have been preaching it for a while. It would not surprise me. I'm going to have you back on here soon when, when there's some breaking news between these two teams, man. Yeah, man, for sure. I mean, definitely. Hopefully um, I've been as fair as possible in uh, these trade discussions. Yeah, it's definitely good to get your perspective, man. And again, a kind of order of um, value for these guys. We have uh, Time Lord, Neesmith, Romeo, and then Grant at the bottom. Um, and, and Pritchard, I just see kind of as an unlikely candidate in all of this for reasons mentioned before. Um, yeah, I think Time Lord is a guy that Sacramento fan base hadn't really been considering that much. Um, and the one thing I'll close on with with you is, uh, you know, I heard some people critiquing, like, well, why would Boston be interested in Harrison Barnes? Like, what does the closing lineup look like? Because you want Marcus Smart out there as well. You want Kemba Walker. Um, how do you kind of counter that? Because they dealt with this last year with Hayward. Yeah, so the way the Celtics have worked generally when they've got the four primary guys, um, throughout the game they'll stagger 2-1-2 two, two off. Um, so there's always two scoring threats on the team. And then they would just uh, – my ideal starting five, if they got Harrison Barnes, would be um, Kemba Walker, Jaden Brown, Jason Tatum, Harrison Barnes, Daniel Tice. Mm-hmm. And if you're chasing the game, then you swap out – probably swap out Kemba Walker for Marcus Smart because you need defense. Got it. And if you're 
what is your closing lineup when you're trying to include everyone? Like, are you willing to maybe small ball? Like, I mean, we've seen a tiny bit of Harrison Barnes small ball five, you know, or like Marcus no, is also. I think that would be your closing lineup: Kemba, Jalen, Jason, Barnes, Tyson, or Thompson. Okay. Yeah, because or I mean, you, or, yeah, right. or you um, it would be tough. Otherwise, yeah, you'd have to play some small ball so you could fit Marcus Smart in there. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to go Kemba, Smart, Jaden, Jason, and Harrison Barnes at the five. Right. Or if you're Boston, if you ask a Boston fan, they'll just be like, now nah, just put Marcus Smart at the five and you'll be yeah. fine. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, seriously, people will genuinely tell you that. It's never going to happen. Um, but my outlook on it is you either have Marcus Smart as your closing guard or Kemba Walker, depending on what you're doing, you're trying to do in the game. Trying to protect the lead, Marcus Smart's your starting point, your closing point guard. Trying to claw a lead back or it's a close game, then you're most likely going to have Kemba Walker. And if it's real tight, you might be willing to sub out one of the other guys to fit Marcus Smart in. So I do think it will be very situational. And I do think the closing lineup will be fluid based on those situations. But it will be some form of those five guys, six guys. Yeah. And if, if Barnes is having an off night, you just don't play him at the end of the game. Yeah, it, that's what I mean. It's going to be fluid. It won't right. be a set closing five, and I, and it shouldn't be. It should always be fluid. You've got pieces that can do different things on the floor. You have your defensive-minded guys. You have your offensive-minded guys. You have your two-way guys. And depending on the situation late in the game, that should dictate who is on the floor for the closing minutes. And I am absolutely perfectly fine with that. It's meant to be a fluid thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely makes sense. And, you know, the point is Boston definitely needs some playable depth right now. So, uh, yeah, deals I'm coming away with. Harrison Barnes for Neesmith first and Grant. I love it. Or Barnes and Holmes for Neesmith, Grant, Time Lord, and the first. I didn't mention the first in the first deal either. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely yeah, the a picks, first that's going to be involved one in pick, here. One, one pick minimum is going to be involved. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I think everybody needs to – understand it's not going to be a great pick. Boston don't own any other team's picks anymore. They've only got their own, and they're projected to be quite good, especially if they acquire Harrison Barnes. So it's essentially a very late first-rounder. Yeah, you know, maybe early 20s at the best, probably. Um, Yeah, but, I mean, I think it's a deal that makes sense for both sides. been preaching it for a little while. Um, But, yeah, man, I I think that's – all we're going to go with on this episode. Sorry, I kept you a little longer than expected. Um, but yeah, definitely everyone check out at Adam Taylor NBA on Twitter. You do great work at Celtics blog, uh, right and nonstop. You got a ridiculous work ethic, man. And I don't preach you for often enough, putting out articles left and right. Um, and yeah, the Celtics blog podcast as well. What else am I missing, man? That's it right now. I'm, um, I've scaled back my outlets so I can focus more on the Celtics coverage. Um, Definitely check me out on YouTube at Adam Taylor NBA. I'm going to be doing some stuff there too. Just, you know, like 15 minutes breaking down whatever the hot narratives are of the week. Um, nothing too in depth, really. Just more for fun. Um, and then, obviously, yeah, Celtics blog. I get some, I try and get some cool interviews where I can. Um, and then I try and put out three to four breakdowns a week as well. So definitely check me out if you're interested in what's going on in Boston. Brendan is my homie. Uh, we speak most days. We've worked together for a long time now, so it's always good to come on. It's fun to be on his podcast for a while instead of him being on mine. Um, that's that's quite cool. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. 
Of course, man. Yeah, any uh, any Kings fans that ever have Boston questions, definitely direct them towards Adam. Uh, super responsive on Twitter too. And uh, yeah, thanks again, man. Uh, and thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast. There's great coverage going on at Kings Herald. Um, anytime any news drops, there's a post there that has good discussion going on in the comments and things like that. And definitely check out the site. There's a Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here.